I think so much of the spiritual world is all about like, just manifest your abundance, write your intentions and everything will be great. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This potency, fertility, and mischievous trickster energy is coming from someone who's been dancing in the dark and trying to figure out how to do it with more grace. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Hi, beautiful beings. Welcome to another episode of Chats with Kat. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that this episode is finding you grounded and well, and in the event that it is not, I hope that you will feel that way after this hour that we are about to spend together. I'm going to be real with you at the top of this episode. This interview was tough for me. I cried. (laughs) I cried on the back end, and I'm not sure that it all the way translates because I was trying to hold it in but there were moments where I was looking at Cassandra because it was a video interview and I was like damn I feel so seen and it's because end of 2021 and 2022 was a really tough season for me and it was partly because of the fact that I had to close down my business and the community that I had poured so many years into goddess council or gc And so the reason that this particular interview struck a chord with me so deeply is because my guest underwent a very similar experience to mine. And there were moments where I just felt stunned because I I couldn't understand how she knew these deep feelings that I had within myself that I hadn't been able to express to anybody because they were so nuanced and so tethered to the unique experience that is building an online community centered around wellness that also primarily catered to women who were often left out of mainstream narratives. So on that note, I'd like to formally introduce you to today's guest, Cassandra Lamb. Cassandra is a neurodivergent Vietnamese trauma-informed facilitator and somatic healer, uplifting rest as a modality for social change at the intersections of care, culture, and community. Before we dive into this chat, I just want to remind you that in addition to this podcast, I curate a bi-weekly wellness newsletter called Eleven, where I share 11 wellness-related musings that I came across over the past two weeks and write light reflections on life lessons that I am integrating. It's totally free and you can subscribe by clicking the link in the show notes. And one more thing. If at any point during this episode you feel moved or inspired, which you will, because Cassandra is just on another level, please take a moment to rate and review for the show. It would mean a lot to me and it will help me bring on more inspiring folks like Cassandra. Okay, are you ready? Uh, I don't think you're ready, but regardless, let's dive into this chat with Cassandra Lamb. Cassandra, thank you so much for being here with us today. I have been very much so looking forward to this conversation. I think in the past few years, there have been so many parallels I have kind of witnessed in our lives through social, right? but I haven't had an opportunity to dive in with you about how you've been feeling, how you've been navigating reality, what lessons have really stood out to you about life in the past few years and 
just in general, I'm just so curious to know how it is that you are existing these days, because <laughs> I source a lot of inspiration from, from the way that you communicate, from the way that you just go with the waves and the different turns that life decides to propose. And where you are at right now is different than where you were a few years ago, but it is beautiful. And I know that the journey in between must have been rocky. <laughs> <laughs> it's always funny when we try to find the right words to like capture the immensity of going through a journey like that, because I know you have as well. So it's always like, oh, there are not enough adjectives. <laughs> no, for real, there really aren't. <laughs> and it's kind of like you don't want to bombard people with like, so do you really want to know what it's like? Or do you right. Want, like, are you just asking me and then trying to move on with your day? <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah. I want to ask you, I want to go into it. I want to mm. give you space to, to explore these things with the depth and vulnerability that you feel safe um, sharing. And also because, yeah, I think you and I found ourselves in a very similar place and, mm -hmm. uh, it has been a very isolating experience for me. I don't know if that's the case for you, but I look forward to being able to maybe hit on some things that a lot of people probably wouldn't fully understand unless yeah. you've gone through it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to just dive right in. I don't, yeah. as I, mean, I think about, as I think about every, like all the nuggets that you just offer, like all the different directions we could go. I'm like, every single thing leads to something deep. So let's yeah. just- Jump well, in. at yeah. this moment, how are you feeling? Let's start off there. In this yeah. very moment, it is the first day of winter. Where do you find yourself right now? I feel potent, Ooh. fertile, and like I am playing with trickster energy. And that's the that's an archetype that is new to me. I first heard of the trickster from Dr. Bio Okomalafe. Um who does a lot of very mind-bending work. His um his work talks a lot about the the need to move beyond trauma. And he talks about how trauma was manufactured. He talks about how our bodies are basically cyborgs constantly responding to our environment and the need for us to not look for healing or necessarily safety as a place to stay but that it's time to dive into the cracks, the crevices, and to be extremely creative and open to things we might not have been before. And so I, when I use the word trickster, that's an archetype he introduced to me that I think is really necessary right now because we are at a point in time where, like you said in the beginning, so many things are falling apart. We're all in, in sort of in different places when it comes to accepting that or, or even how we're dealing and I would even say that we don't have a consensus that on what is happening, but regardless, there there yeah. is collapse happening. Yeah. <laughs> there is crisis, there is calamity. Um, and so at this moment, I feel potent, fertile, and kind of full of this playful, mischievous, rebellious trickster energy because I've I think I'm still in it, but I am I've just completed a full year being in my own underworld an emotional, mental, spiritual, psychological, and I would even say physical um, underworld where I have been going into my shadows and working a lot with the things that I've rejected or repressed or been unable or incapable or under-resourced enough to contend with. Um, and so 
I know I'm not quite done yet with that phase. And also having completed a full year of such deep surrender, um, facing, I think, a lot of my demons and some really quote unquote dark, painful things. That is what that's what's informing, I think, how I'm feeling right now. And so I just wanted a caveat. Like, I think so much of the spiritual world is all about like just manifest your abundance, write your intentions, and everything will be great. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This potency, fertility, and mischievous trickster energy is coming from someone who's been dancing in the dark and trying to figure out how to do it with more grace. That landed for me. I'm like getting emotional. <laughs> yeah. Tears are but... welcome here. I'm open. I might be, I might start crying. I, I cried in a child's pose when I was doing yin yoga before this. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it just, it really, that really landed for me because I feel validated just in hearing your story. And this is why I knew I had to bring you on the season because I too was in that underworld. And it was it was a, a void that I was familiar with to some extent, but the depth that life required and forced me to confront and embrace, it didn't feel, it, it just wasn't familiar. And it was so much, it was chaotic and it was a complete, it was a complete immersion in life and in the spectrum of existence that we shy away from because it is so heavy and not fun. And I thought I could, you know, manifest and love and light my way out of that. And there was none of that. Like that just mm -hmm. simply could not coexist. It was all in or we're going to have to keep coming back here over and over for these lessons right. to actually be learned. And so I think similar to what we were talking about before I press record, there are a lot of things that have occurred over the past year that I just don't really feel like I have been able to fully articulate openly and publicly because it was such a fragile and trying experience that I just don't really know if people want to know how how hard it was because yeah. especially the fact that people are still going through things and that reality is tough and that we are still dealing with a lot of destruction and in between and suffering and just simply folks just trying to make it through. Like I realize the sensitivity of the moment and I don't want to talk about my dark moments in hopes that it won't make other people's dark moments worse. But I mm -hmm. think just hearing you talk about that in this moment, there's something that's that just kind of switched on for me, which is like, maybe not talking about it isn't the solution. I think maybe what people in the dark want to hear more of is how people that are in the dark or people that were recently in the dark we're able to survive that. Yeah. I think that I think about what it means to be in the dark a lot because of the work I do. And just so I guess folks on the podcast know, both you and I were running communities for women of color. Um, for myself, it was an Asian American uh, women and femme community, and I believe yours was just open to women yeah. of color broadly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We were both doing that for several years, for, like between 2018 and 2022. Oh, did yeah. you release Goddess Council 2021 or 2021? The end of 2021. 2021. Okay, yeah. okay. And I just released um, our community, the Cosmos, um, this fall 2022 mm -hmm. after working on it for five years, and 
I think like in my head when I I wasn't under any illusion that I was going to work on it forever and I and one thing that I loved when my co-founder and I first met we were very clear we were like we don't want this to last forever because we we hope that we would have made enough of an impact on our mission that there would be a natural point in time for the next generation to do this and I think we were also very honest with ourselves about realistically what it takes to do community work when you're not when you're not working with brands or taking sponsorships because the tension there was always irreconcilable for us like they wanted they saw them as users and consumers and we saw these people as our our beloved community to use Martin Luther King's words and so um I think if you're not willing to bend and take corporate money it's extremely challenging because we're also serving communities that don't have enough period and and communities that have a lot of pain and grief and have experienced significant trauma and stress and so you know it's just all of that creates pressure even if you're not necessarily walking into a space saying like today we're going to be talking about our grief like it just it's in the room because it's in the bodies of the people we serve um, and so I just want to name like that's sort of where you and I are, are I think circling around this concept of like darkness and death. Um, because when I decided or when we formally announced that we were letting go of the community to make space for something new, I was so burned out. I didn't even have the energy to do some sort of big hoorah like celebration because I wasn't authentically feeling celebratory. Um, I had come out of a three-month sabbatical, the first one I've ever taken in my life, and I started working at 16. So um, it was the first extended period of time where I wasn't working. And during that sabbatical, so many things came into view that I think when I was so busy and had deadlines and just obligations and responsibilities, there wasn't enough, sp I wasn't making enough space um, for them to come in. And I recognize now that had they come in, I would have been immobilized because the things that I had to deal with are things that break you open and cause you to fall apart. And you can't fall apart and also be together enough to get shit done. Like nope. They just don't coexist, as you nope. know. So um, during that sabbatical, which was barely like scratching the tip of the iceberg, but that tip of the iceberg was already so ripe and full of lessons waiting for me to make the space. And so I got the chance to grieve over the summer before we formally publicly announced it. But even so, you know, um, as we did, I felt like in some way I was letting my community down because there wasn't some final epic celebration. I mean, we are still going through a pandemic and we're going through I don't know, I'm not even going to number it, but yet another wave of cases, right? And so in some way, I was relieved that there wasn't the pressure to put on some in-person event as a final hurrah. And, um, but I think I do still feel sometimes guilty that I didn't have the gas in the tank to end it on a quote-unquote high note. But the more that I've been sitting with that guilt and my own shadow work, my own darkness, the more that I've been thinking about how not only inauthentic that would have been, but who is it celebratory for? I would have had it to perform a version of myself to do that for the community. And I, 
it wasn't on purpose, but perhaps by by my co-founder and I kind of just very quietly pulling back after the announcement and just letting people know this is what it means. Uh, these are the couple things we're doing, but then that's, you know, that's the end. No, like five page manifesto. No, like, here's a link to find me in the future. And this <laughs> is what I'm working on next. Like none of that, yeah. because we weren't even in a space to be, to, to share that. And so yeah. I guess my hope is that people who are in our community in that silence got to feel maybe the things that were we couldn't put to words yet. I think sometimes when we do community work and we care so much, it, t- it can take a lot out of us. And by the end, I guess I just didn't have much more to give yeah. other than like, I'm going to go preserve and protect myself. And I trust that that is what you would want me to do right. if you were a part of this community. And so I feel a lot better now that I've just like said that aloud. And as I like exited that chapter, I felt I was held and caught by the work that I'm doing now, you know, with, with collective rest. And it's funny because this past year of death, rebirth, life, shadow work, underworld, I like to, I think about the washing machine. Have you ever sat in front of it and how it just like when it's on the spin cycle, like that's what I feel like I've been going through this past year. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like that, I, I, if I'm honest, that's, that is like what takes up the majority of my energy right now, just tending to all of that. And I think most people are really afraid because when we've put things off for so long, when we finally open that box, it's going to come blaring out, right? It's going to be chaotic. Like you said, messy, it cannot be contained. And yet I feel like we're missing half of ourselves if we're only willing to work with what's pretty and easy to hold and easy to talk about. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I just haven't heard somebody talk about this in a way that like is exactly what I've been feeling. You know, like you, I've been trying to dive into the teachings, the spiritual leaders, folks that can point me in the direction that will help me make sense of this regrouping of self after completely falling apart. But yeah, it's even in all of that, this is such a specific experience that I've been trying to make it fit into what I went through. And because there's so many details and so many things that just go into showing up for other people and also simultaneously losing yourself, I've been trying to bridge that and I've had conversations, but, um, there's something about the way that you're speaking that is just really allowing me to feel less bad about mm. my experience because I have been carrying a lot of guilt. And I too was such at a low point that I could not celebrate. I couldn't, literally, it's like the same exact thing. I, I just couldn't, I just could not. And I've been contending with what the expectations were maybe that people might have had for me or Uh, the expectations of how it should have concluded but i just could not do that and unless you're in a position where you are the one holding it all together you won't fully understand the extent to somebody being like i cannot do any more like you there's so many folks that were benefiting from our work and i'm sure that they were grateful but uh trying to do all of that while existing in this reality and holding all of that together required a certain level of extraction of energetic extraction that I still can't fully comprehend how I was able to do that. I don't know how I was I just don't know how out of fumes I was able to do that. 
And maybe right. it was the love that I had for people, like the love that I've had to just open up space for other people to suffer less. But like, to that extent is the extent I was withering. It's yeah. just like, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I'm a little bit floored, to be honest, at just how, how seen I feel right now. And so if I'm tripping up a little bit over my words, it's because of that very reason. And Oh, you're crystal clear, by the way. Crystal clear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think that the direction this conversation is going to go is going to allow folks to just like hear what it, what it is to be on the other side of embracing the parts that are not pretty because mm -hmm. I think that our responsibility having gone through all of this and still going through it and figuring out what it looks like now and what the aftermath of all of that is is to share the ways in which we did not completely give up during mm -hmm. that time because I mean I'm not exactly sure what thoughts went through your mind but I definitely had months where I was like, I don't think that there's anything left for me. And not in a, not in a suicidal mm -hmm. way, but very much so in a, I just don't really think Catherine's there anymore. I think, I think this mm -hmm. pretty much rocked my world in a way that will forever change me. And I just don't really feel like I want to do anything ever again for anyone because mm -hmm. I don't know how the hell I'm supposed to find anything else to give. And now mm -hmm. I'm doing the show again, we're here together. And so obviously that feeling didn't last forever, but it was a very real prominent feeling that um, I had to will myself through, but also had to allow myself to break through. And that looked like acknowledging that that was the real feeling that I had and not not convincing myself that that wasn't what I, what was actually mm -hmm. presenting. And that was a very scary feeling to have, to feel purposeless, aimless, completely turned off by the possibilities of reality, of society, of community. Mm -hmm. um, I was just so disappointed in the world and how little we were taking care of each other and yeah. and really just distraught by the idea that the onus was on individuals to make it so that we could survive this moment when there are so many resources and so many avenues that we could take as a collective to make sure that all of us are better. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how that resonates with you. The way that I would like to move forward is just touching on what are the things that stood out to you the most throughout this journey? What thoughts came to mind that took you by surprise or what mm -hmm. pieces of advice were given to you during this time that really struck a chord with you and helped you move through roadblocks spiritually, mm -hmm. mentally, and physically, if you wanna go yeah. there. I know this is a big question, but there's just so much to alchemize from all of this. And I just want to know what <laughs> really, really stands out as pillar moments for you. Alchemize is a good word for it. So I think before I answer, I want to offer some context. I think without context, things don't land maybe the way we intend. So just so folks know, in this past year, when I say underworld, it not only involved like business deals that we thought were going to save the cosmos or, or make it like sustainable so that we weren't worried about money all the time fell through that um, at the last minute we had to crowdfund to save the company and then I had I um from from pure fumes I built a group program the final one we hosted um so that we could generate revenue so that we could actually like sustain ourselves through sabbatical um 
during this time, I also went back to therapy. Um, I was uh, diagnosed, which I use air quotes around because I I do really feel the psychiatric and psychology fields are very um, colonial and they're incorporate they're part of the carceral system. And I, um, but I think they are useful to a certain degree, but I was diagnosed with complex PTSD as well as autism um, uh, back in June of this year. And so with all of the ingredients coming together, I felt like I both had the floor fall out from under me. And I was like Alice in Wonderland falling into down the rabbit hole with no clarity on when I would hit the floor. And I also felt like, oh my God, things are making sense now in a way that they didn't before because I wasn't willing or able or or not safe enough to, did not feel safe enough to actually look at certain, if we're only willing to work with what's pretty and easy to hold and easy to talk about. It's, there's such a intoxicating draw to kind of like maybe looking down a little bit on our younger selves or like the parts of us that didn't know and so that's why I really like to always say it probably because we weren't, I wasn't resourced or I didn't feel safe enough or I didn't have something. Um, but all that together, um, I want to just offer as like some, 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 add some color, I guess, to what I meant by I was going through my underworld. And I also um, realized that I've been living with chronic pain for the past five years. And a lot of this is associated with the complex PTSD diagnosis, um, living under chronic stress, and then doing what I did for a living didn't help either because I was always taking on the stress and pain and the grief of the community. And so I think as a way to, now that I have that context and some of the things that I've been grappling with, like spiritually, but also like my literal physical health was deeply depleted and impacted. And all of that was what really pushed me through the threshold of going into the dark because there was nowhere else to run. It's almost as if the dark just started to catch up and it started to call to me and, and ask me to build a relationship with it. But I've been thinking a lot about this concept of like, I think every single tool, practice, ideology, framework, everything that I think that has to do with our life, I feel like there's like a utility up to a certain point. And then when you get to that point, it becomes useless. Everything. Like I think about the times when I've tried to utilize like a, a framework or the times when I um, try to navigate things in like a, some sort of linear order. Because I always think like these things are a way for us to, as human beings and our egoic minds to have control, right? And and even like binaries, right? Categories, labels. Like it's all maybe... And I say maybe because I think gender is not necessary, but like maybe these things are useful for a certain purpose up to a certain point. But then after that, it's a complete, I, I feel like these things fall apart. Um, and and I think what we're left with is probably, this is probably a primordial um, existential human struggle, but what we're left with when all of these things disintegrate because we've reached a place where they can't, can go on with us they can't continue through that threshold we're left with ourselves and I want to firstly I know what I'm saying sounds bleak and I also want to add into this podcast that I consider myself a generally 
strong fighter person with a deep love for a community. I am such a squishy, tender person. And I'm a Gemini sun in the ninth house. And so like, I am all about polarities, paradox, sitting on the cusp between uh, life and death, science and spirituality, like these thresholds, these liminal spaces are where I really thrive. Um, but so we're left with ourselves. And I think the biggest question is like, well, what are you going to do there? Because there's one way in which if you really zoom out and think about it, all that we're doing in our life is just dancing with that truth, right? That there's going to be at some point where it's just you your inner world, whatever connection you have to like spirit or something larger. But there are places, I think the most, some of the most transformative places that we will go in this lifetime are places that we must go alone, are places that we can only ever go alone. Like I was going through this underworld with a partner who loves me so much, but he was going through his own underworld. And I, and we're both neurodivergent. And so there would be days where neither of us had enough to caretake the other. And we had to just sit in our underworlds and just try to feel the fact, well, this person is physically here. Even if I feel like I'm so far apart from him on my own little island and he's mm -hmm. on his. Mm -hmm. And I think that that speaks to, um, I think there's this place that like so much of our lives, like human beings for millennia have been sort of afraid of this, right? It's the place that you're supposed to meet and met yourself in meditation. It's the place where, again, like uh, there's a point where all the tools and tricks can maybe get you there. But then once you cross that threshold, it's just you and yourself. Um, and so I feel like this past year, that's what I was really contending with. Like there was, there was no book, podcast, TV show, speaker I could have gone to, to help me navigate this at that depth again, because everything anyone else has to say, um, while I may internalize it and while I may use it, I think to help me arrive at the threshold, once you walk through that threshold, that's the point where I had to realize, well, what am I made of? And what am I going to show up with? What does integrity mean now? What what are my values? Am I willing to fall apart and see what's on the other side? Am I willing to believe that change is a constant so that even this period of time is not going to last forever? And in those depths, like I actually experienced for the first time in my life, moments of suicidal ideation. Um, and I, I never, and it was never to the point of making a plan, but I think that even the stigma around suicidal ideation is something I've been thinking about because I think if we're to really go into and allow ourselves to be touched by those parts of our psyche, it makes sense to me that there might be a, a thought and from the ego that I want to die because the ego feels like it's dying. Yeah. And in my moments of suicidal ideation, it was fascinating because I tried to just observe it as we've learned in our meditation practices and to not allow it to carry me away while also remembering, like, I know what to do if this gets really scary, but I, um, perhaps I was lucky. I don't know what it was, but the thoughts were there, but they weren't driving me to do anything. And so I just had these moments of like, well, why are they coming? Oh, interesting. I am touching a limit yeah. that I've been afraid of for so long. And so this is, it almost felt like this is just 
the the what happens when I touch the limit rather than something's wrong with me or like I don't have the right brain chemicals which is a very which is something that pharma likes to like talk about as if your mental health is like oh you're just chemically imbalanced like um but yeah so it's interesting because I feel like that the whole journey everything I realized is such a paradox like and nothing in that place I realized nothing was as it seemed before I crossed the threshold you know and and no one's stories could have gotten to the level of detail and depth that I knew once I was in it um but yeah I mean it's I guess the last thing I'll say for this moment is that I actually realized the dark has really been, I think, unfairly constrained by the good, bad binary that we're really obsessed with. Um, Which, by the way, is a moral binary that was created by human beings that actually doesn't need to exist. I don't actually believe that the universe is good or bad. It just is. Things just happen. Death has always been a part of every single part of our ecosystem. And um, in my lowest points, perhaps because I was so vulnerable and fragile, to use like a beautiful word you shared earlier, I actually felt the dark hold me in a way that the light never could. Mm. Mm-hmm. And one example, just like if folks want to experiment with, is like the next time you feel super agitated and anxious and like, I don't know, sometimes I have like, if I'm really overstimulated, like I was towards the end of my time in New York, it feels like nails on a chalkboard kind of. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. next time folks feel like that, I invite you to just go into a dark room and be there for five to 10 minutes. Maybe this looks like hiding in a closet, like during a holiday party. Or I know for myself, sometimes I'll just put an eye mask on um, if I can't get the room completely dark and just be in the dark. And notice how that soothes your system. It reduces inflammation. It allows everything to calm down because there's in the darkness, there's no extra stimuli. And so that I think that's a really easy way to experiment with the beauty and the depth and the power of the dark would, that will offer real physical mental health, like tangible benefits, um, which I think folks can then start to extrapolate into their own wonderings and experiments. Yeah. Wow, absolutely. Something you said that that I'd never fully contended with is that the dark held you in a way that the light never could. And that also resonates like everything you've been saying because it is in the dark where you see what your limits are and where you have to contend with your limits and make decisions about what you want to do. Do you want to move forward and push past those limits are those limits your limits um Mm. you know you really have to look at yourself for who you actually are not because anybody's validating you not because anybody is painting a picture for you but you have to look at the realms of your soul and contend with where you find yourself and um yeah, they're, they're tr- when you're in that place, there really isn't a person or an offering or a thing that can be positioned and, and, and given to you to make it easier. You just have to be there and you have to give yourself the space to like not rush out of there because that's not going to help. You can't just rush out of that, that place. Like you, 
you just you're kind of tumbling in there and floating <laughs> around like there's no gravity it's right? upside it's like, down topsy-turvy yeah all of that and you just have to be like well this is this is just where I'm at I'm just floating and uh and we'll see what comes out of this but I do feel like there are micro moments where you as you have to decide what else what else is to come like what are we going to make out of this um what are we made of like what is the life that we actually want is it worth it is it something that is actually drawing us to reach for and to work towards or do we just want to be right here um and also like i think that there is something to that point of of realizing that the ego death does sometimes feel like you the person because mm -hmm. it's your ego mind it's time to just not be here mm -hmm. because like that's it the limit has been reached but i think the power and the true realization that you can move through that if you grant yourself the honesty to believe that you are where you are instead of believing that you should be somewhere else is something that i think we, we need to talk more about like as a society given the nature of everything that's going on right now given how folks are feeling where do you go when the ego has nowhere else to exist when it has died and you have to connect with your soul like not ego but soul the the, the thing that is inside of this body that that yeah. will will continue to transcend um life as we know it how do we connect with that part of ourselves and i think something that i've been contending with is how much my identity was wrapped up in being the founder of this community mm. and the leader of this community and so when it all came to an end it wasn't just the end of the community it was like the end of me because if mm -hmm. i'm not doing this then who am i what what's the point and i think mm. that was the other layer of, of this experience that truly made it that much more confusing and at times intolerable because it's like as I was depleted and exhausted, I couldn't also imagine a new reality for myself. Right. That was what I knew. That is what I thought I would do forever. And so now what? And I had to dig into that place and, and let my soul speak through me. And I'm wondering if that's something that you at all confronted. <laughs> Uh, I want to just reflect back for a moment that I was as I was perceiving what you were saying, um, I really felt not only it palpably in my chest, but it felt like you were describing that before your identity was one of doing right, like needing to do something. And it feels like what your journey asked you to do is to let go of that and to drop into your being. And maybe when we're so busy with doing, there isn't much space for beingness to come through. Um, because that's what I sort of discovered very early on in the, in the descent into the depths that everything that I valued myself for, a lot of it was connected to doing something, to playing a role, to receiving a certain outcome, to needing, like feeling love and belonging because I was needed, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, and so when that was all rested away and, also, when I got to a point where I don't want to relate to people this way anymore, that's a wounded healer archetype, you know, I too had to contend with potentially have I been in a way scared of avoiding not ready to see 
the divinity of my beingness. And then maybe that's what this was all for. And so, could you remind me of your question? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, saying, <laughs> I was just like, wow. Shit, that's so real. Yeah. Well, yes. Okay. I guess we'll circle back to this. But the question was, was there a point where you were like, wow, my identity was wrapped up in this way more wow. than it should have been? And I think based on your answer, I think it was yes. Oh, yeah. Huge. I had so many identities that I realized this this experience was all about dropping those so that I could explore, hobble through, crawl into the the new being. And I think like the thing about when you transition from an identity rooted in doing, it it feels like achievement, right? It feels yeah. like like a like a ladder of sorts, I might say, uh, maybe like racking up medals and different different like being in different spaces, doing, doing, doing. But when I I was like literally ejected from that world and dropped into like the journey of beingness, I think that's where the experiential aspect that you and I have been talking about of like it's not even about knowing where the hell you're going. It's about what that process is doing to you because yeah. you are being changed every moment of it. And I think like this is something I love talking about whenever I teach about rest too, because my work is always about how can I give you a direct experience with rest? Because my whole theory of change is that if you feel safe enough to drop into a space where you can feel yourself, that's it. Th that feeling is the spark that leads to the fire of transformation. And I think that's also why these systems want to keep us so tired, so distracted, so overwhelmed, because then we can't feel. Um, and and so feeling is such a, a big part of it. And feeling will change you. I think that's why we're scared to feel to some degree. Um, and I think that's also why we really crave it, right? When you think about how many people want to feel loved, want to feel held, like, um, it's because it changes us to 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 be engaged with and relating with the others in that way. Um, but the same goes for maybe the not as digestible feelings like grief, pain, loss, suffering. Like these are all things that happen inside of our bodies and literally change us as we go through them. Um, and so when I had to figure out, you know, how how do I move in this? in this period where everything is in free fall and it wasn't walking or running. I wasn't even upright. Like you were saying, sometimes I felt like I was just rolling on the floor. <laughs> Other times I was a paper, like a Katy Perry, like a plastic bag, <laughs> I just thought about that plastic bag blowing in the wind. Sometimes I was a piece of paper or a leaf falling from a tree, but like all of it was just racking up now, now, now that I have the perspective that I do, it's like just racking up experiences <laughs> almost like I had a punch card in life and every day I was just getting okay you're living <laughs> just it was just the card was just getting punched until there was like it was full of holes you know like yeah thanks you showed up for life today <laughs> yep. Yep. and by the time that my punch card was like filled up um I was just different and I think like that's the embodiment that they that I feel in you and that you're feeling in me right now is one of like we've touched our depths certainly it's not over certainly it's a lifelong experience of finding new depths to touch but having done it 
I feel going back to how you asked, like that's where I, the potency, the fertility, the mischievousness, the curiosity, the rebellion even comes from for me. Cause it's like, well, if this shit is what we've been taught to be afraid of, or even what our egoic mind sets us up to be afraid of. And if I have learned to be with, tend to, and dance with that, which to some degree, some people spend their entire lives running away from, then I can actually live and be present and experience a little bit of sovereignty in the sense that my unconscious is not, is not, is not constantly controlling me. Um, and I can be in flow with, with life, with life force, um, which is ultimately just about surrendering control mm-hmm. and doing what you can with, with what you feel and just living moment by moment, being willing to get your little punch card <laughs> out when the time calls and <laughs> be like, okay, put me in. <laughs> put me in and knowing that you can do it. Mm-hmm. I think that is part of what changed us is that yeah. we actually made it. Right. And we made it because we had to go through that by ourselves. When you go there and you realize later on, once you're not in the thick of it anymore, that you actually were able to do that of your own volition with your own skills and your own self-love and your own ability to reflect, it does make life less scary because it's not that that won't happen again because Mm -hmm. life is life, right? The suffering is inevitable, but it means that we know we can make it through. And that Mm -hmm. level of self-confidence is not the self-confidence that I think we talk about when we say that word, but I think this is the self-confidence that really changes the way that you show up to life because no one can take that away. No one can market that out of us. No one can convince us out of that. We know what we just went through. We're on the other side of it. We're getting out of it. And now we can move forward with a certain level of assuredness that was impossible prior to this experience. Oh, can I ask you, if you were to describe the way that you love and believe in yourself now compared to before the floor fell out from under you, what would you have to say? Oh, I can't compare them. Mm. I can't compare them. I think I am so grateful for this experience, particularly as I'm... I'm turning 30 in like a week and a half. I'm thinking about Mm. what did my 20s mean? What was this chapter? What did this decade teach me? And the fact that this lesson came at the end of this decade, at this moment, it's allowing me to move forward and, and kind of build differently. But I will say this. I think that the way I believed in myself before was based on action. It was only based on what I was producing, what I was doing. Now, it is coming from a place of divinity. You used that word Mm. earlier. I I just feel like no one can tell me otherwise. Like, I really know who I am now because I saw myself at, like, every version of myself. The ugliest parts of me were received by me. And I was able to nurture myself in ways that I had been seeking nurturing from other people. Yeah. 
um, from other spaces, from other activities, from other titles. And from our roles, roles, right? Yeah, from our, your job. Yeah. <laughs> None of that was ever going to do it. It was never going to be the answer. And so I'm glad that this happened because I imagined my life having continued on that trajectory for like another 20 years and for this this moment of rupturing to happen you know in my 50s or something which i think actually does happen for a lot of folks who kind of get caught up in the hamster wheel i'm right. so grateful that that was not my reality um because yeah. now i get to reposition myself from a very grounded place i get to redo this like i really do feel like i'm starting over in a lot of ways like yeah. All right, let's go back to the drawing board. Like, what do we actually want to do here? What feels good? And also knowing that I don't actually have to continue doing things forever anymore. Because I know now that it is a constant journey, a constant evolution, that there's, mm -hmm. there are parts of ourselves that are going to emerge later. There are curiosities that will emerge later. And they also deserve time of day, even if it's not yeah. necessarily what it once was or who we once thought we were. But um, I truly cannot compare who I am now to who I was March of 2020 or 2019. I'm a version, yeah. you know, I'm a version of her. But um, I don't know. I just feel like I can, I can just do whatever I want. And I know that I got my back. And it's not contingent on any one person being around or any particular job or any role. Like, it is just a sense of certainty that I have in the care that I can give myself and the mm. honesty that I will be able to offer myself and those that are around me about who I am and where I am and what I want and what I will not tolerate. It was like a complete overhaul. And I think you know what I mean when I say <laughs> yeah. that, but it's like yeah. very real. Like I was looking at some of my notes from the past year and yeah, I've been picking different little pockets of things to reevaluate and writing lists of like, yeah, this is what it is now. This is what it is now. This is what I'm not going to do. This is how I would like this to look. Everything. Mm -hmm. And there were moments where I was like, damn, Catherine, like at 30 or 29, you're going to be really trying to do this all over. And it's like, yeah, actually, because the, the, the biggest scam that I think has been offered to a lot of us is that like, we're supposed to have things figured out by a certain age or that it's supposed to be definitive at a certain age. That yeah. is such bullshit. That is <laughs> not in alignment right. with the flow of life. That's not right. in alignment. Which has its own genius and creativity and intelligence. And like, uh, I've, like as you're talking, I'm also just like, I wish that we could jump on a rooftop somewhere and sing the praise of the humility. Like what beauty I have been able to taste because of the humility of recognizing, oh my God, my ego and my conscious mind never, ever was supposed to know no. what is possible. And in fact, anything that it attempts to know is already a limitation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's scary. I know that that's scary, especially when there's so much uncertainty already, like right. when there's so many physical uncertainties that surround us, right. like we don't know what's going to happen when we walk outside. So to think about it on a macro way, of, oh, we just don't know anything about anything or it's like, well, do you want to add that on top of that? It's, it's a lot to contend mm -hmm. with. So I understand our desire yeah. to create little buckets of like, well, at least we know this is going to be this way, right. but 
it's not actually and And going back to what we talked about right like it's useful up to a certain point and then you have to let it go and then actually not sometimes not even useless sometimes it holds you back right yes yes yeah Yeah, it'll literally become it'll it'll flip into not being a tool anymore and instead it's like a weight (laughs) yeah it's a weight or it's like a tool that you're using to oppress yourself because you're just not letting life happen and in in our best moments when we're like really embracing this message and this perspective, it's like, well, isn't that the beauty of life then? Isn't that the whole human experience? Like, yes, there are going to be dark moments that we can't account for, but then that also means that there has to be beautiful moments that we can't account for. It can't all be one thing. It's never going to just be one thing. It is always duality. It is always polarity. And Mm -hmm. I think like, now what I'm trying to do is recharge by the wander and like the expansiveness of this moment that isn't wrapped up in like melancholy energy. Um, and so this is like restoring me and like pouring back into myself in a way that like the void couldn't, but they both did. They're both, they both fed me, but in different ways. Um, and so I'm just trying to like, be in the be in whatever phase it is i know that this feeling that i have now also won't last forever and i will probably and not probably i will have to go back to the void yeah that just is what it is but there's magic in this moment that i cannot see yet i can only be present i can only be i think the way i'm i'm trying to kind of navigate life is like just showing up each day to figure how i can be me more yes. like who like Let's let soul lead today. Like, what does soul want me to know today about me, about what it is like to exist as the real version of self? And, you know, it's difficult sometimes because the distractions are everywhere. But every day, like, that is what I'm trying to reach for. And I think so long as that is our goal, then we can find purpose even in the shitty moments Mm. even in the dark moments because the dark moments are also showing you how to be more you oh hell yeah like like when you were talking about reparenting like that's so much of like what I was doing when I was like in my darkest moments like I've never cried as much as I have cried in this past year and I think it's so beautiful because I think about like before Well, one of the things that I struggled with that I knew was sort of like that I was heading towards some sort of like cataclysmic like collapse into a deeper version of myself was back in 2018, um, I remember how numb I was feeling. I hadn't been able to cry for myself for years at that point already. And but I was starting to have enough awareness and consciousness around like I, I know I have shit to cry about but it's almost like it's behind many feet of like glass. And so my journey from 2018 till 2021 was of like softening the ice around that had built up around certain things that I hadn't had the capacity to deal with. And as those things softened, I started, and it took real time. I started to be able to access my tears again. And then June, 2021, I think was the first time I was able to cry like for myself like not because I watched the movie or not because my friend was going through something about like challenging not because like of just something awful in the news but like actually for my own stuff um and then since then 
like it feels like the floodgates have just been open and I think one of the most beautiful things that I've received from this journey is um going back to paradox like the more pain that I was able to be gracefully with the more I hungered and fought to 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 feel not only deserving of but to create more pleasure in my life the more that I danced with death the more that I felt exuberant with life the more that I um sat in like contemplation and and or even laid in the bed and fetal posture and just like was still the more that I wanted to dance like like and and be like like one example that was like profound um the more that I I walked on this journey like singing and song and music just started coming out of me like I started making up songs um affirmation songs because I was during this whole journey and my anxiety shot up to levels that I've never experienced before. I had experienced depression at levels I never did before all because I was finally dealing with the backlog. Right. And so of course, like it's going to cause us to feel things. Um, but, um, that led me to such beautiful practices that I'm not sure I would have discovered had it not been for that. Like I just naturally one day noticed that like, Oh, I have such a different relationship with grief now such that I could be here like an anxious wreck and yet I'm singing myself a song that I why well, I, I didn't make up that the trees gave it to me like I was just on these nature walks I was doing these nature walks and um, in the fall and asking the forest to help me with a certain intention or something I had a question on or just something hard that I was holding and music literally started to come more naturally into my being like I find myself singing when humming when I'm washing dishes and like singing randomly like wanting to just break out in song and that's possible because I think I also was willing to sit in silence and so it's just all of these things are paradoxical because you think you're going to lose yourself in one and then you end up popping out on the other side you know it's like it's literally like a house of mirrors or like I think about um, I think about like a, a room that has a door, I'm sorry, a house that has a bunch of doors and you walk in one door and you realize I'm actually in another room than the one I thought I walked in. And it's just like that over and over and over. And as you were talking about dualities, I'm like, are people ready for the fact that like it's duality until you get to a point where it's non-dual and you realize they're actually the same thing, just like the energies taking on different shapes as they go through their own cycles. Um, and so it's been the strangest, like kind of Willy Wonka-esque journey because I'm like, I thought I was going to be tending to grief and I did. But then on the other side, I feel so much more reverent of life. And that is, I think, um, something that's so hard to like distill into like a sentence or two about why this work is so worthy, why we are so worthy of fighting for our own lives because I think that's what you and I are describing right like life is sure when we're born we are in a way given life because we become alive but I think that these moments come to us because we get to choose am I going to fight for the life that I feel I deserve that I want that is possible and potential for me or am I going to hold on to like what I know stay try to stay the same um which ultimately like won't work. Right. But it's like someone holding onto a ledge while like birds are like pulling their feet off. Um, yep. But like, it's, 
it has been the most magical, profound, and beautiful journey. And as I look, and I know that you and I are not the only ones. So many people are going through their own version of this. And like, I, I know I'm finishing my Saturn return. Are you as well? Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is so all Saturn... going on during my Yeah. Yeah. Return. Yeah. So this is the same here. And we're in it until <laughs> March of next year, but I feel so grateful because like you said, I get to, because I fought for my life in this way now, every day forward, that I'm lucky enough to have on this planet with the people that I that I share it with gets to be more you know like I'm not mm-hmm. just counting my days down until I die I'm like you know like if I don't really have control and all I really can do is be present be aware conscientious discerning and loving then let every day be an altar to that you know or let every day be my devotion, um, my bow to the beauty, wonder, and chaos of life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, it is all of that. It is like it's like the ultimate test is self. Mm. You are the test for you. Like everything is just an opportunity to test yourself and elevate every obstacle is a moment for you to choose yourself and elevate every moment of joy is elevation everything is just what it is and like yeah i think even the duality point that the the part of like everything just existing is where i am at now where i'm really trying to embody that because things something bad can be happening at the exact same moment that something euphoric is happening and you can't always just put things into boxes life just is very (laughs) very very messy and unpredictable that is that's just part of being a human and i think the medicine throughout all of these ups and downs and all of this shit is love is community is a devotion to self it's a devotion to others without losing self it is like a complete detachment from what you thought it was going to be so that you can just be in it so that it doesn't just fly by so that the years don't just pass so that 365 days don't just like go and and you don't even understand how it happened it's like it is all like a an opportunity to just dive into it and like not feel scared about the experience there will be moments that are scary but we have to lean into it anyway we can't exist avoiding the scary shit, the messy yeah. shit, the dark shit, because that's also where the beautiful shit is. It is yeah. just that complicated. And, I, and I'm really proud of you. And I'm really proud of me. I'm proud of everyone who <laughs> has surfaced out of these dark places and found gratitude in all of it. And I just, I feel just uh, very full right now. Mm. because this uh yeah this experience has been an isolated one but I'm ready to talk about it now and now that I know that there's somebody out there that Mm -hmm. actually understands what I was feeling that I don't have to give you a lot of words and explanations for you to be able to tap into that it feels like this human experience isn't so solitary 
Um, yeah. And that is my wound anyway. I've always struggled with belonging and, and isolating already. So this experience just exacerbated that. Yeah. And and now that I'm on this side of it, I'm like, well, I want to, I don't have to be in isolation anymore. I can talk about what that isolated period was like, but can we exchange? Can we learn from one another and see what we got from that place when we went there for ourselves? So that's what you've done for me in this conversation. And I just want to say I'm really, really grateful and thankful. And I know that we're not the only ones that went through this, but there is something about the way you've been communicating and your particular story and your journey that definitely feels it's it was like in tandem or is in tandem with mine. Yeah. And it just feels better to know that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that somebody yeah. is there and was there. And because we are both such community-oriented people, even if community builder or co-founder or founder is not a title that we're actively embodying right now, I think to just add a add on to what you just shared, I think that the reason why this work is important is not just, it's yes, we're fighting for our own lives. And this is out of recognition that we cannot hold anyone else's pain, suffering. We cannot empathize. We cannot, we cannot do all these connective, loving things we want to do to the depths that we want to do them if we have not been there in our own way for ourselves. And I think like something I've been thinking a lot about as I let go of the community work that I was doing, which I think I'm still very much figuring out how do I want to work with community now? I know one thing that's for sure is I I will never exploit and extract for myself that same way again. I just can't. Yeah. Um, I will, I want to do it a lot more collaboratively. I want it to be sustainable. Um, I'm going to ask to be paid like what this work requires of me to actually be able to show up. And so a lot of things have changed there, but Something that I can't help but think about is a lot of my natal chart is all wrapped around like community work is like, what is this moment in time, right? And I think that, I think sometimes when the world gets really loud and overwhelming, I find a lot of comfort in being able to just like zoom in and like scope on my, on my own self, because all of the things happening outside are already existing inside of me colonialism yeah. white supremacy ableism patriarchy um uh like everything already yeah. exists inside of me then in my embodiment and so i can explore that and work through that and transmute it in my own system first and there yeah. is an ecosystem inside um but i think that i think that a lot of people are probably going through this or are about to go through this or whether or not they want to, will have to go through this. And so to those people, I, to, to, I guess to all of us, I think something that I have found comfort in is that we're doing this also because this is a very unique moment in time on in human history and on the planet where we're experiencing what many people are calling this, the sixth mass extinction, right? The mm -hmm. earth has been through five. Um, we're in a period called the Anthropocene, which is a period, in, an epoch, a period of time in geological history where human beings are actually responsible for um, the destruction of the planet and of, of arguably of ourselves. And so um, 
I know that these are kind of like scary things to contend with, but I also don't think they're surprising to anyone. Like climate change has become climate crisis. Um, and, you know, we've seen just so much come up this year, right? The war in Ukraine and Russia, um, women in Iran leading a revolution, like just a lot of things are happening. A lot of collapses are happening. Pandemic is still going on. And so as all of this, none of this stuff is going to go away. I actually think it's leading us somewhere. And going back to what you and I were saying, like what what we what was applicable to us individually is also applicable collectively. It's not about where we're necessarily going collectively, because as much as it's, I think, meaningful to have an intention, have a horizon, you also just don't know because the journey will change you and things will happen. And I think because there's so many different forms of collapse right now, it's forcing a lot of like, new collaborations across groups that maybe never would have talked to each other before um it's caught it's creating a lot of um and I think that's again the the beauty of destruction and collapse is that things that might never have touched each other end up being squashed together end up experiencing friction end up all of a sudden coexisting in like a similar space um and 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 so that means that the potential of what could happen is just innumerable because we just those things have never touched each other before and so life and history is actually literally being shaped by these collapses right now in a really profound way and so the work that we do and on an individual level to be able to be with our own internal collapse to be to go into our depths is i think how we're playing out what's going to be what is already happening at the macro like they are the same i don't think it's um pure coincidence that so many people are having spiritual or like midlife or a crises or awakening moments or like you know brutal awakening maybe but like a lot alas it's awake it's bringing attention right i don't think it's a coincidence that this is happening as there's so much societal collective collapse and so um i think we are in some ways being prepared and as well as being as well as preparing ourselves for how to show up for something that none of us actually knows what's going to happen but it is about how, how do we most express what we're here to express to be part of that larger context right and like like for me like that was always a big reason why i also took very seriously this underworld journey and was perhaps so ready to be laid laid bare and humbled because I was just like all of a sudden I feel like I understand a little bit better the chaos outside and in the world because that chaos was existing inside of me too and um having tasted it I feel like I just I'm a little bit more prepared um I don't know what's going to happen you don't know what's going to happen but I have a toolkit I have the resilience I built I have learned how to ask for help because those dark moments um, really necessitated me to break down my whole like big sister, strong friend, independent person bullshit. Um, So like, oh yeah, I mean, I I really have been playing around like, have I been preparing or have I been being prepared for this moment? And so I think that's... um, that's sort of, I think, uh, just something I wanted to add about why this work is just really, really critical for for everyone.
everything that we're that's happening right now. Yeah. You're really you're really dropping gems. My last question was gonna be if you could share any advice with folks in wellness, like particular blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Like I you said I sent you the the questions, but <laughs> no, no, you already answered all of that and you answered it in a way that um is honest and um it just is and I I really enjoyed that element of this conversation. I don't think we sugarcoated much of anything, but yeah, it's all of this is said with love and all of this is said with compassion, self-compassion, because we had to have it for ourselves, but just compassion for the journey that everybody is inevitably going to either be forced into or walk into. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, because we don't know where this is going, my hope is, that we just continue to open up opportunities to reflect that going into the depths is not something to run away from and that it does prepare you. It just prepares you to live a better existence, but it's preparing you for what is to come. And we don't know exactly what that is, but if we have the assuredness within ourselves that we do have resilience, like you said, then that means that we'll give it our, our best. And that's the best, <laughs> that's the best <laughs> thing we can do. Like that just is what it is. Right. It is what it is. <sighs> wow, what a beautiful conversation. Thank you for this. Thank you for your time. And um, I'm going to put in all of your info in the show notes because I know everybody that's listening that hasn't come across you before is going to be obsessed with you now because um, <laughs> everything that you're saying is just so true and authentic to the to the human experience. Like that's just what we need more of is, authentic sharing about what the fuck is going on here <laughs> what we're trying to do like, and let's all be in the washing machine of life together yeah like, why not and tumbled and like wet and like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. that well i'm uh, gonna end our recording now but um thanks again Cassandra. thank you this is such a this was such a nourishing conversation i think similar to you, like, I think I became, I made my peace with feeling isolated on this journey. And I think to some degree, I still maybe have, maybe I've just accepted that there's always going to be a part of us that no one could ever know. And also I think what I am like stretching into is what you're saying about like, yes, I've, I've been pretty isolated, even though I have like friends I love so much until they've gone through something like this. I always felt like I couldn't be totally honest or I had to caveat and contextualize a lot because I worried, I felt like they were worried for me. And I'm just like, like, how do I convey to you that like, yes, I'm like falling apart and spiritually dying. And I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah, (laughs) You know, but in the moment, like, yeah, I'm feeling complete grief. I'm like a fucking hot mess right now. Yeah, But like, this is just what it looks like. (laughs) You know, it's just such a hard place because like well-intentioned people who who haven't maybe been there are like oh my god like do, do, are, are you okay do you need to talk and I'm like I think I just need a beer <laughs> yeah. yep I can you just witness me <laughs> yeah that yep. there's a we can get into a whole other conversation yeah. about like what what would have been the best way to be held during that time right. um and the ways the things that worked the things that didn't work right. the ways in which we felt fully seen by others and in the ways where we, we weren't, but that that can be another conversation for another time. Right, right. I'm just, but, um, yeah, I'm so glad that we got to do this. Okay, now do you understand why I prefaced this convo as being really, really deep? <laughs> 
I'm so grateful to Cassandra for the hour that we spent together and the ways that she left me feeling so seen and validated. Thank you so much, Cassandra. And my hope is that you were left feeling the same way too. If you would like to follow along Cassandra's journey on the internet, head over to the show notes where I have linked all of her platforms. Thanks for having chosen to spend an hour with us. I will talk to you next week.